holiday that we have previously known as Memorial Day weekend. It causes us as a nation to, first of all, remember your goodness to us. We have been spared, in many ways, we have been spared the travesties of war. And though even in our own country, there was a time when brother was against brother. But we have enjoyed your protective hand. On the other hand, it causes us to remember of wars that have been fought and the involvement that we have been a part of. Friends would go together in the name of freedom. And there were times when only one would come home. So we remember our fallen heroes. Their blood has been spilt so that countries can be free. But the greatest part of this day is, Lord, as we remember our Savior's blood that was spilt. And in that blood, by grace through faith, not only have we been set free from our sin that has separated us from you, but we've been set free for all eternity. He who has the Son has life. These things are written that you believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know you have eternal life. So we thank you, Lord, that we can remember. Remember how good you have been to us as a country. Remember how good you have been to us as our Savior. And we would pray for our country today for all of our senators and congressmen, both locally and nationally. I pray for our president and vice president and for his cabinet. Oh God, may you guide them in all of their decisions. May there be a renewal and even in our own government, may there be a renewal that we would understand that we have been blessed because we're one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. God, I pray that you would bless them because we do know that our government officials are a blessing from you. Your word tells us that you have instituted them. You have placed them in positions. You have given them a charge. And I pray, O oh God, that even today they be reawakened to that call. Pray for our servicemen and ladies 
wherever they may be, whether they are in harm's way or whether they are in peacekeeping forces. Lord, I ask that you would watch over them and and by your grace and for your will, protect them, God. I pray, Father, that their families that are back home I pray that you would give to them a, a sense of peace. And thank you for their willing service for our country. And I pray, oh God, your hand of blessing upon them. Thank you, Lord, this morning for allowing us the privilege to pray one for another, to encourage one another. Lord, you know that inside of our bulletin is a, a half sheet of paper with a lot of names of individuals that just aren't feeling well. I ask, O oh God, that even today, your hand of healing would be upon them. You would continue to strengthen them. Thank you, God, for watching over them. In the moments of frustration when doctors don't know what the problem is, I'm grateful, Lord, that you do. And it is to you we can run. And I pray, God, that you would continue to strengthen and heal individuals by your will and, and for your own glory. And family members that stand by and friends that don't know what to say or don't have very much to offer other than the fact that we can say we're praying for you well it it goes beyond that because when they hurt we hurt that's what the body does and i pray oh god that you would just heal them and and bless them lord as you would see fit as Ernesto and Marlene make their way to join us in just a couple of short weeks, I ask for traveling mercies for them. It'll be great to hear from them, to see them, and to, in their own words, to understand and know of how you have used them in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. I, I thank you for their heart's desire. I thank you, God, that you've given them a, a mission field, an opportunity, in order that they may share the life-giving word of God. And as they travel to not only visit family and other churches, but as they travel to come here, Lord, I... Again, I ask for your grace and your hand of protection upon them. Thank you, Father, for your word. It causes us to remember things. The Apostle Paul, even in his writings, say, as some of you were, it's good once in a while to remember what we once were in order that may, we may rejoice in, in you 
and who we are now. We're your children. We belong to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We're not lost, we've been found. We're not blind, we now see. We're not hopeless, we focus on our great hope and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of those things not yet seen. We walk in it, we live by it, we grow through it, and the extension of our faith determines upon whom we are looking to. Your word tells us to looking unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. May our eyes always be looking to you, Lord. I pray that this morning in your word, that you again would touch our hearts, transform our lives, God, and we would be different leaving this assembly than when we came this morning. We'd be different not in the fact that it's a thing that we do every week, but we would be different because we've heard from you. We've seen you. We've worshipped you. And from that, we even come to love you more. Guide our words this morning, O Lord, and that which we lack, I pray, that you will provide. That which we don't understand, help us to know. When we are weak, I'm thanking you, Lord, that you are strong. So guide the thought and intents of our hearts today, all for your honor and glory. It's in the precious name of Christ our Savior. Amen. I found myself doing something that I have not done for a long, long time. This past week, as I was doing that which brings me the most joy, I was mowing my lawn. I know some of you are groaning right now, but not me. I, I love to mow lawn. It is my mindless, if you will, entertainment. And as I was mowing this week, I, I could not help but just start to sing. Haven't done that for a while. I just try to make sure that my lines are straight. And as you look at them, you see one part that's bent that way and the other part is bent this way. That lets give the grass a different hue as you look at it. It's my toy. But yet I just began to sing. No other reason than I thought it was the proper thing to do. And I sang songs that I've not sung in a long, long time. They drew my mind to faith. The hymn writer who lost his children on a shipwreck. 
tender words, it is well with my soul. He did it by faith. Songs such as holy, holy, holy. Words that by faith, one day we will even ascribe to our great God. Maybe it was because I began to sing because I viewed a video that I hadn't seen since 1987. The year we journeyed to Portland, Oregon. Steve Green, those that are much younger than me, you have no idea who he is. But at that time, Steve Green was probably one of the most prolific soloists. And he was singing songs that I remember. Songs such as He Holds the Keys. Songs that God and God alone. Great songs that remind us of our faith. I don't know if I can hit as high as now as I used to be able to. High A sharps were no big deal for me. Now, I'm a big deal for them. It doesn't happen. We need times like that to shake our faith, to awaken us to who we are. This morning, we're going to look at this one whose name began a lot shorter than what it ended. In Genesis chapter 12, we're introduced to an individual by the name of Abram. Just four letters of a name that God later on changed to Abraham. It says in our text of Hebrews chapter 11, where we've been using for our foundation, it talks about, in verse 8, that by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. At the beginning of our study guide in the bulletin, we have a quote there from George Mueller. I challenge you, if you want a good read, to read the life story of George Mueller. He started an orphanage with nothing. And he ran the orphanage by prayer and through faith. One time, we're told in his biography that there was nothing in the cupboards to feed the orphans that day. But he had the table set. He had everything out on the table, and some of the students said, but Master, there is no food. And George Mueller said, no, not yet. But God will provide. So he began to pray, as was the custom of the whole school. Everyone began to pray that day. And just when they finished praying, there was a knock on the door. 
George went to the door and opened it up, and here was an interesting clad individual who was the master of a circus that was in the next town. The circus had got rained out that day. No one came, and they had all of this leftover food, and they didn't know what to do with it. They came to the orphanage and said, can you use this? And you know the rest of the story, faith. In fact, in his biography, this is a quote he has. He says, faith does not operate in the realm of the possible. There is no glory for God in that which is humanly possible. Faith begins where man's power ends. Abraham, or Abram, was called by God to go to a land that he had not yet seen. He was to leave his homeland and to go to a land that God was going to give to him. In fact, a faith that follows God's vision is highlighted by living beyond the boundary of the known. Each one of us were in the same predicament at one time in our life. We were in the situation of the known. Life was going on pretty good. Until someone came up to us, and we ought to thank God that the individual that came up to us and shared the gospel because it was an invitation to go beyond the boundary of known to the boundary of unknown. Each one of us are faced with that decision, not only as an immediate coming to trust Jesus Christ as our Savior, leaving the realm of known. We, we know we're sinners. Now we're in the realm of the unknown faith. And as a new flower blossoms every day in the gardens of our flower beds, our faith is developed each and every day into a realm of the unknown. Abram, leave that which you know. So I want to take you to that which you don't yet know. It tells us in, the conversation began in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1. But it's interesting, even though he did not know where he was going, Abram went. If you're like me, I like to have things planned out. I'd, I'd really like to know, what are we doing here? I'm not very stoic in many things because I don't like that. No, I... Believe me, I'm not jumping out of airplanes or anything like that. But I don't like to be, if you will, pressed into a certain form that I have to be a part of. I like to 
do things on the whim. It scares my wife half to death, but as long as we get in the car and she has a map, she's okay with that. Where are we going? I don't know yet. Let's just go. And the first thing she does is she opens the glove compartment and gets out the map. Moses, or Abram, didn't have that. All he had was the direction of God's hand. Go to a place I will show you. There are times, though, that when God moves us from, the, from our comfort zone in order that we may experience his power and which will strengthen our faith. In 1987, my wife and I and our six children in a van pulling a U-Haul trailer left the confines of that which we knew in order to be engaged in that which we did not yet know. We left Lancaster, Pennsylvania to go to Portland, Oregon. It was in that journey, though, that we anticipated when we would get there that there was a job waiting for me. In fact, I spoke to the individual who had that job for me the morning before we left the afternoon. Arriving six days later on a Sunday, we found a hotel, settled down, and thought we would take a drive to the educational institution that I was engaged in. We found a, an advertisement for a house for rent. I don't know why we did that, other than the fact we didn't have money to pay the rent, but we found a house for rent on 6125 Southeast Stevens, Portland, Oregon. We drove by the place and saw it and thought, well, the next day after we check in to uh, my job that we would go there. On Monday morning, we packed everybody up and drove to a suburb called Gresham, which is part of Portland, Oregon City, and looking for the job. When we arrived... We were confused. We could not find the street. We stopped in at the post office and asked the postmaster where the street might be, and his words to us were chilling. He said, son, there never has, nor will there ever be a street by that name. Thinking that maybe... I had the wrong street. I said, well, what about this business? His words were bone-chilling. Son, there never has, and I don't know if there ever will be, a business by that name. Thinking maybe I missed the street, missed the business, I gave the guy the person's name. 
and the phone number. Again, we were faced with bone-chilling reality, son. There's no such number. And he says, I've been postmaster here for 35 years, and there never has been an individual by that name. Welcome to Gresham. Not knowing what to do, other than the fact of looking at each other, my wife and I, and wondering, did we make a mistake? No, we drove past the house and the garage door was open. We went in, saw the landlord, introduced ourselves, wondered if it would be a possibility that we could rent the house from him. He said he'd let us know and I'll call you later on today at your hotel. We gave him the number, seeing that for some reason, my wife said before we left, I'm going to write down the, the number of our room, hotel number, and the phone numbers, just in case. He called us later that day and said, yes, you can rent the house. Unbeknownst to us, is right next door was a family that God had prepared for us a year ago. A year prior to our leaving, we were in contact with a family in Portland, Oregon, who was the one who gave us information about this job. But we were in contact with him a year earlier. On our journey, we forgot where he lived. We couldn't remember. But God didn't. Because the house that we rented was right next door to the house of the individual who we were in contact with. You see, when, when God takes us from the realm of the known to the unknown, rest assured, he's already prepared the way. All he's asking us to do is will you follow? Abel taught us a faith of leaving a legacy. Enoch taught us what it is to walk by faith. Noah taught us what it is to obey. Abraham teaches us that a faith that follows God, the vision of God, goes beyond boundaries. Boundaries are best described as those things which keep us. And God wants us to go beyond those boundaries to those things that they don't keep us, but God's hand does. Second thing that a life that lives, a faith that follows the vision of God is highlighted by a living beyond the boundary of what is seen. To go to the realm which is unseen. I have to tell you, I, I enjoyed this portion the most. Because what it highlights for us is what's described in verse 13 through 16 of Hebrews 11 when it talks about these all died in faith not having received the promises 
but having seen them afar off and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, they had, they had called to mind that country from which they had come out. They, they would have had opportunity to return, but now they desire better. That is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. The walk of faith, there are certain realities that we have to walk in. According to this particular passage, 13 to verse 16, the realities are this. First is the reality of heaven. Remember, our faith is described in verse 1 as that which is the substance of things hoped for, but the evidence of those things not yet seen. We're called to walk in the realm, if you will, to live by faith in the reality of anticipation of heaven. Paul describes it just a little bit differently in Colossians uh, chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, when he talks to us, when he shares with us that we are to look unto heaven keeping our eyes focused on that yet what we have not seen, heaven. We, according to the book of Matthew, seeing that it is a book of the kingdom, there are principles in there that we are to live by as if we are already living in the kingdom of God. Our faith, as it is developed and follows the Lord Jesus Christ, we go from that which we see to the realm of that which is yet to be seen, heaven. We live in that reality. And the other reality we live in, the second one is just as important, if not even more important, is, is living in the reality of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Those we have not seen. We didn't see the world created according to Hebrews chapter 11. We weren't around when God said, let there be. All we see now is the evidence of His glory. But we are to live and go beyond the boundary of which we see to that which we do not yet see. I had the privilege this past week of being able to sit down with an older gentleman and share with him the truth of the gospel by which he believed. What a joy. If we really recognized that the only thing we can take to heaven is people. 
how would that transform us? My good friend once said, sheep make sheep. Shepherds don't make sheep. Sheep make sheep. That's the reality that we live. And that's the reality that God said to Moses. Abram. Moses comes next, Doug. Abram. They looked for a city that they knew the architect and builder was going to be God. And that drove them to live a life that was earth-shattering, people-changing, if you will. The third truth is this, is that a faith that follows God's vision is highlighted by living beyond the boundary of the possible. I believe we, we have a couple of ladies, I don't know of any more older than 90 years old, other than the ones that we already have here, but what would it be if God came to you and said, you're going to have a baby? Yeah. yeah. Some of you younger ladies are going, hey, going to happen here. No way. But that's what God said to, at that point, now his name is Abraham. Genesis chapter 18. He's now being promised that Sarai, who now he names Sarah, is going to have a son. And through that son, the promise of God saying to Abraham, look to the stars. If you can count them, that's how many your offspring will be. Their reaction is like, what mine would be. <laughs> what? Says Sarah, it said Sarah laughed. And then she said, all this time I've not had a child, and now I'm going to be 90 years old. What's interesting about living beyond the boundary of possible to the realm of impossible is because it's there that we must trust God. <laughs> For God said to Abraham at that time, is anything too hard for the Lord? It's the same statement that was made to Elizabeth in Luke chapter 1 and verse 37. As God shared with Mary that your cousin Elizabeth in her older age is with child. And then verse 37 it says, for nothing is impossible with God. When our faith takes us beyond the realm of possible, whereby now we must look to God to do the impossible, then who is it that gets the glory? 
It's God. It's God and God alone. It says that Abraham and Sarah were going to have a son. Now, don't miss that statement in Genesis 18. It didn't say they're going to have a child. You are going to have a son. When God deals in the realm of what seems to be impossible, he is very specific as to what he's going to do. You're going to have a son. For with God, nothing will be impossible. And lastly, living a life of faith that follows God's vision, living beyond the boundary of sacrifice. This one was difficult. This is the one where you know the account. We're in Genesis chapter 22. God tells Abraham to take his son, his only son that you love, and I want you to kill him for me. When we live beyond the boundary of sacrifice, it comes to us, ask us a question. What would we be willing to give up in order to honor God? I wonder if maybe sometimes we hold too tightly to earthly things. We're not, I got it, brother, I know. It fell. We'll hold it. We hold on to things that, according to Scripture, are nothing more than dust and ashes. But God demands of us even more. I don't know about you, but I wrestled with this passage only from the fact of trying to figure out what was going on in Abraham's mind as he, as is described, put the wood on the back of his son and said, follow me. Where are we going, Dad? I see the altar. I see the wood. Where's the sacrifice? God will provide. In fact, in the Hebrew language, the intent of the statements of Genesis chapter 22 as Abraham even begins his journey is descriptive in the fact that Abraham has already killed his son. It's already been done. What is amazing is what we know now, but back then, 
It wasn't known. But Hebrews chapter 11 says that Abraham believed that even if his son would die, God would raise him from the dead. His faith went beyond the boundary of sacrifice. For he knew that that which God promised, he would fulfill. Through this son will be the beginning, the beginning of a nation that will outnumber the stars that you can count. This son here. And you know the rest of the story. As I was trying to encapsulize all of this into a, a final thought, I think it would be this. The dynamic of ministry in church and in our own lives is never dependent upon that which we have. It's not the amount of money. It's not the amount of possessions that makes us successful. It is the growth of our faith. couldn't help but think just up the road here just probably less than half an hour from us is a university that has a sign and it's still there today as you drive by you can read it Bucknell University was established for the purpose by the Baptist convention to train and teach preachers for the gospel of Jesus Christ From an economical aspect, they have all kinds of money. It's a very expensive school to be a part of. They're very successful. Their basketball team has made it to the NCAA basketball championship tournament for the past, I believe, six years. They've made it. Their educational system is probably looked at as being top-notch. But it's not doing what it was established to do. Why? Not because they lost money. They lost faith. They lost faith. There were other church organizations who have all kinds of money but don't have faith. I shared this at, a, at the board level, letting you in on a, a board conversation we had. I shared with the board that money is not the issue for the things that we sense God is directing us to do. I understand that we do need to be aware and we do need to handle the finances that God has for us 
in a very God-given way. I understand that full-heartedly. But what I fear the most is not the, not the amount of our checkbook, but it's the lack of faith. I say that with all due respect because I don't know where you are in your journey. But if faith is not a part of it, then all that you have really means nothing. Let me let you in on another little secret. It's like this. I went through our church directory and, and counted the number of people that attend here really faithfully. I know we have some who come and go and such as I understand. I just, I just looked at the ones who I knew were, were really faithful. And I came up with this, that if of the 200 people that attend here, by the way, that's just, I didn't, I didn't count all the children. Uh, I just focused on adults. 200 people, 100 family groups. If each family group could give about $5 per person, that's $10 a week more, we would have the money for the next pastor. that's by faith even before the next pastor comes we could use that money to pay down the account that we have on the land that would be four thousand dollars a month more that we could put on the loan to pay off the land See, sometimes our faith is ready to move, but we don't know how to move it. I've just told you. Are you willing to go beyond the boundary of that which you know, that which you see, that which is possible? And that, which is sacrifice. God holds blessings for those who live like Abraham. Those who live in faith that goes beyond boundaries. Let's pray. Oh God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come, our shelter from the stormy blast, and our eternal home. Thank you, O oh God, for this morning. 
the life of Abraham as our example, as our living story that highlights what it is to have a faith that goes beyond boundaries. I'm sure there were times when Abraham was afraid. But yet you carried him through. And he was willing to go beyond boundaries so that he would honor your wonderful name. That is still our call, even as believers today. Lord, I pray that the boundaries that would keep us chained, they would be released. And we would go to realms, O oh Lord God, where all we can say is nothing is impossible with God. To you be the honor and the glory. In the matchless name of Christ we pray. Amen.